Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My name's Double D. I'm joined by Tanner Saunders and Evan Harrington for the first hour. Joe Kelly will be joining us later in the show. And boys, I... the entire two hours. I, I... Oh, are you now? I told you my class got canceled. Oh, you're... I didn't... I don't remember, Evan. <laughs> So That's all right, Dan. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning, and I woke up at, like, noon, so you're good. I know. I know. I put myself in isolation today. I, I texted in the group chat, hey, I'm not feeling so hot. You know, my voice is, my throat hates me right now. Don't understand why. I, I really don't. I, I was feeling fine yesterday, and then this morning I was like, wow, this sucks. Mm. So I don't want to give you guys anything. So they're all in Studio B. They can't even join me in Studio A today, but we're going to have fun nonetheless, right, boys? As always. Let's go. So, you know, the bye weeks this week for the Buffalo Bills ain't that much to talk about. I mean, in the sense there's no game to look forward to. There, There's no injury report that we can read. Um, nothing really major in the sense for the Bills. Well, but the I'll, one- te- I'll tell you what, as far as you mentioned injuries, geez, at least we can finally get healthy. I mean, we were starting to get healthy before the Kansas City game, but now with this bye week, just well-earned for the guys to really, you know, get healthy and get back, uh, get back to where they were because nobody's ever 100% at any point during the regular season. But just to get that, that juice back and to really – you know, get as healthy as they probably will be for the remainder of the season. That's good, at least. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the bye week is definitely earned. There is some thoughts, you know, do you like it early or do you like it later, the bye week? I I kind of rather have had it a little bit later in my mind. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on maybe the bye week effect it, with it being right now instead of later in the season? And Harrington is moving his mic, and that's why there's so much noise going hey, on. Hey, man, the, the mics aren't, you know, greased up a little bit. Needs <laughs> <laughs> to oil up the, the hinges a little bit. Um, but on the bye week stance, I think having the bye week right now is, is perfect. And the reason I'm going to say right now that it's perfect is because, obviously, you're coming off the biggest win of the season up against the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Your emotions are so high. It's a roller coaster of emotions. Obviously, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, this defense, and everyone else on this current roster from last year to now wanted to beat the Chiefs. I mean, you know, it was the biggest storyline in the NFL last year. If we beat the Chiefs last year, we we probably go on to play in the Super Bowl, potentially. So beating the Chiefs just the other day was insanely just, it was an emotional ride for this entire club. And I think taking a week off, just kind of let those emotions settle down a little bit, recuperate, obviously go back what you did well, what you could have worked on, some things you could have done better against the Chiefs would be a nice little pivotal point going into Sunday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. Because, I mean, if if the Bills go into Green Bay just riding this high, you know, from beating the Chiefs, I feel like they're just going to go, you know, guns a-blazing, and, you know, there's going to be mistakes going out. I'd rather, you know, come down a little bit, come back to earth, Hey, we beat the Chiefs. We 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 did what we wanted to do in week six, but let's recuperate and take our attention 
uh, you know, to um, week eight, which would be the Green Bay Packers. And I think a bye week right in the middle of that gives our guys enough time to still ride that little bit of momentum emotionally from that win. But they still have enough time to recuperate and have their minds set to Green Bay. You get what I'm saying there? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I I just don't know if I were really have wanted it now in the sense that, you know, it's not really halfway through the season yet. You know, uh, week nine is technically the halfway point. Um, I, I would have really liked it week 12 or week 13, just in the sense because I think we would have, have locked it up by that point in the sense of the AFC East uh, if we all moved uh, one game backwards. Do the injury, does it help with the injuries that the Bills had? Yeah, 100%. But Trey White was going to come back no matter what, even if it's a week later. You know, we don't even know if he's going to be good going after the bye. I mean, they are going to try to get him to full in practices. Um, But, you know, you never know with an ACL. That is the one key thing every time. But, you know, I... It works at this point right now. I can see where you're coming from, where it's like you just beat the Chiefs. You don't want to, you know, get cocky and then lose an important, like, a game to Green Bay, which their team is not good right now. I I understand that. But, you know, one thing with the bye week that always brings up questions is, will the Bills make a move in their bye week? A lot of talks about running backs being traded, Cam Akers, Christian McCaffrey, wide receivers are available, and DJ Moore and Odell Beckham is still being talked about no matter what week it is. Um, Even if he's not even playing right now, he's still being talked about every single week. What, What is one move you guys would like to see the Bills make if they had to make a move during this bye week? Uh, oh man that's tough i don't if they just sat sat pat and just didn't do anything i'd be fine with that i mean you're five and one and you know what they say if it ain't broke don't fix it but if they had to do something i mean the obvious thing that that stands out is running back i mean obviously you know the bills are the super bowl you know contenders at the bare minimum maybe favorites you know in the eyes of many and you know, this is kind of the year where we're like, you know, pushing all the chips to the center of the table, going all in. We saw that with Vaughn Miller bringing him in, in in the off season. You know, being the missing piece on the defense. So maybe a running back would be the missing piece on the offense. I mean, for the longest time, Saquon Barkley was in trade talks, but that's probably not happening with how good of a season that he's had. But maybe, no maybe McCaffrey's in the in the conversation. Although, if I. I'm not a huge fan, depending on what the asking price is. Like, apparently they want multiple first-round picks. Like, eh, I don't know about that. But, you know, if there's some way, by some act of God, if Brandon Bean can pull it off and get McCaffrey for a reasonable price, then who would say no to that? I mean, that would be that would be the definition of an all-in type of move right there. So, who knows? Yeah, from the, from the NFL free agent standpoint... Uh, I would like the Bills actually to go either sign a backup tackle or or trade for one. Um, only at this moment that Spencer Brown, uh, you know, dealt with an injury, 
uh, in last game in the last game versus the Chiefs. And David Questenberry came in, and you know David Questenberry started a ton of games for the Tennessee Titans in past years, and he's looked serviceable in games. Uh, starting for the Buffalo Bills at the right tackle position. But I feel like it would be nice just to make a small trade, whether that's you're throwing a sixth or seventh round pick at a team to get a uh, serviceable and a good enough backup alignment, particularly tackle, to uh, just be on the roster and be on the depth chart. Uh, otherwise, running back, it's interesting. The only running back I really would see us going after and having a, a shot to go after would be Christian McCaffrey. I think Saquon Barkley's like off the table. There's no way a 5-1 and one Giants are trading their best player. I just don't see that happening. Uh, Christian McCaffrey now, the, the Panthers want two first-round picks for him. No way. I, I wouldn't even give up a first-round pick. Now, would I potentially consider throwing a second and third out at McCaffrey? You know, I'd... I'd I take a here to it. I wouldn't mind throwing a second or third round pick because uh, at the end of the day, if you're throwing a second or third round pick at a guy, you're throwing your chips all in for this year. Um, but for a receiver standpoint, I mean, when you look at the free agent market right now, the only guy that really entices me, there's two of them. Uh, it's Will Fuller and Odell Beckham. Uh, I mean, Will Fuller, last team he played for was the Miami Dolphins. He got signed there in the last, last off season. Had a few injuries, didn't really play too much. But we all know Will Fuller. When he's healthy, he's out on the football field. He can stretch the, the field vertically. Uh, he's a great, great field stretcher. And then Odell Beckham, we know that guy's a top five talent when playing. It's un- unbelievable how good he is. It's just can he stay on the football field? Um, and I, I've heard he wants a similar contract to Michael Gallup from Dallas, which is a five-year, $62 million contract. Would you guys be, you know, a holding to give OBJ a contract like that, I probably wouldn't. Um, obviously, you guys probably would not either, just because of where this current state of the team is and some other players have to resign. So, like, I don't really know what moves the Bills could make and if they have to make one at all, Tanner, like you mentioned. Like, if the Bills don't make a move, I'm content with it. And I say I agree with you. Like, I would be content if the Bills don't make a move. Um, the Bills obviously trust their running backs to a point. They trust Devin Singletary. He's played the fourth most snaps out of any running back in the NFL this season, just shy of 300. So he's played a you know a butt ton of snaps. Uh, has he gotten the football a whole lot? No. Uh, but Devin Singletary is our best running back, and I think he's a very underrated back at that. I don't think Devin Singletary is the guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl by himself. He's not you know one of those game breaking running backs like Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Henry Taylor. Uh, Kamara, etc. Cook, but nonetheless, he's a good enough serviceable running back that you know implemented in the right running scheme uh, and given the right opportunities, he can very th- really thrive. And really, overall, I mean, there's really not too many guys you can really target to be honest that we know of now. When you brought up offensive tackle, first mind that that I went to Daryl Williams. Yeah, he's still a free agent. Yeah, he's currently. still a free agent. It's like the reunion could I, be there. And Well, I mean, I don't think he really wants to come back uh, in the sense that, you know, we used him as, as a guard in his final season here. He wants to be a tackle. He wants to make the big bucks. The Bills are not willing to spend big bucks on a guy who has been out there for now two months. Uh, um, would he be okay to do that? Maybe. Uh, it would be a hard hard tell um i i agree with wide receiver standpoint will fuller odell beckham the one thing about will fuller he did say he doesn't really want to play in cold weather climate areas and you know 
We're we're definitely not a cold weather climate area, right? Well, listen here, Mister Will Fuller. There's trade offs with everything. If you're catching passes from Josh Allen, then you, I mean you can't have everything. You're gonna have to deal with some some cold weather. So I mean, if you want to go to you want to go to like Florida and catch passes from Tom Brady, or you want to come to Buffalo and catch passes from Josh Allen, but it's gonna be thirty degrees occasionally. Like there's trade offs to everything in life. Like come on, man. I mean, just wear layers at that point. Why not? You got you got the room, right? Now, to the sense of running back, I, I feel like McCaffrey, the Panthers want too much. Two first-rounders, nobody's going to give that up. Unless if you're really desperate for a running back, which no team is. <laughs> um, you know, at most, I bet you Carolina will get probably a second and a player. Uh, probably it would go to either... Maybe, like, oh, it's hard to tell because so many teams actually have good running backs, good serviceable running backs. And McCaffrey, even though he's really good in the sense that he can do everything a running back needs to do, you know, cut outside, has that speed, can bulldoze through the middle, catch passes. The injuries just scare me on on how many he had um, in just – such a short amount of time um you know he had DACL he had an ankle he had a hip even this year he's had some like pop-ups on the injury report like oh yeah he he's banged up a little don't worry about it. don't don't push it to the side it's, every it's NFL player is banged up though so like I want to take yeah, every well, every NFL player is going to get banged up like so, like, this year, McCaffrey hasn't really been banged up. Every player right, gets banged yeah. up. It, it's kind of like the injury br- uh, bug of McCaffrey has, like, spread out everywhere else. Just been like a virus. Um, but, you know, the one running back we don't talk about, and I love this running back partially, um, Cam Akers. Oh, no. Yeah, Cam Akers is back in the discussion group. I know, I know. I haven't talked about him since, like, week one. Um, you know, when he did absolutely nothing and got really ticked off at him. But we all know the Rams and him are parting ways at some point, and they are going to help him at least try to find a trade partner before they ultimately probably release him. But betting odds came out for the team that he may get traded to. Broncos are number one at plus 300. The Bills are number two at plus 400. The Patriots are number three at plus 800. The Dolphins are plus 900 in fourth. Uh, Cardinals are fifth and plus 1,000. And then Colts are sixth and plus 1,000. I I mean, what do you think about that kind of betting odds that we're the second place that he would come to? I mean, would the Bills trade for Cam Akers if it, if it was like a Zach Moss for Cam Akers? To be honest, I feel like the Bills could probably just trade Zach Moss in a seventh round pick, and they could pick up Cam Akers. Like the probably, bet. if he's not even cut outright, because I mean, it seems like if nobody trades for him, then he'll just be released outright. But if the Bills wanted to for sure secure his services, then that's a a low asking price, I would say. The only thing that I worry about with Cam Akers is ever since the injury, he's been really inefficient. Like he was inefficient when he came back last year this season he's back up to three yards per carry but that's a, a far cry from the uh, the 4.3 that he averaged in his rookie season but <clears throat> yeah. yeah I mean also when you look at this Rams running game anytime you see Daryl Henderson run the football compared to Cam Akers 
it's just a complete difference. Daryl Henderson looks like he has juice in his legs. He can find the hole. He can hit the hole. He's getting positive yards. You see a guy like Cam Akers, he's hitting the hole and he's dropping like a fly for, you know, 1.2 yards per carry sometimes. He's running the football like that. Um, so, you know, I like Cam Akers. I liked his, himself in his rookie season. And, you know, he had that Achilles injuries last year. Didn't look the same coming back into the playoffs like Tanner mentioned. And then this year, his best, year, his best yards per carry has been 5.1 going up against the Arizona Cardinals. And he only had 12 for 61, so it's not like he had a big workload on himself anyway. Uh, again, he was, he once was a good running back, but I just fear he's just not even close to the same guy that he once was. And I don't even know if it's warranted to even trade for him. Like I'd rather, I'd rather just run with Singletary and Cook. Like I, I, I'm much more comfortable with those two over Acres. Well, what do you think we're going to do with Moss? I mean, in the sense that he wasn't active against the Chiefs, that's got to be a telling time I mean, sign for something. Zach Moss has been inactive a plethora of times throughout his career in Buffalo. I mean, we've seen games, uh, you know, where other guys are inactive. It's just, just, it's just the kind of the game plan and the game script that we have going on for that game. All right. Well, the only other part of the Bills that really keeps up to date with all this stuff all you know social media memes uh people talking on the radio like us or tv shows is the bill's social media team and i do want to play one of their clips that they did make just this past week about uh the bills and chiefs game and this is uh colin cowherd uh who is making who they're joking of yeah, I'm trying to put that into words. It didn't work. Josh Allen hasn't checked that final box. He's not winning these close games. He's winning blowouts. He's got a better defense. He's got a better pass rush. He has a defensive coach. But Allen hasn't proven that he can win these close, come-from-behind games like Mahomes. And that's what separates him. That's the clip. It's one of the funniest clips I think the Bills social media has ever made. But they took it down really quick. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's because Cowherd's team saw it and said, you can't do that. You can't. But I, I think that's they, – they're on point with most of the stuff they do. I mean, give them credit. I, I don't think we talk about their social media team enough. Give them credit. They do a lot of work and make, like, a really good product out there. Oh, yeah, they take big W's, the Buffalo Bills. Not only do they have one of the best on-field products in the NFL, but also off the field, particularly on TikTok. They they go crazy on TikTok and Instagram reels, just the short-form content that everybody's doing. Like, the Bills are A1. They're top of the NFL in terms of that category. But I got to address Mr. Coward's comments there. Why do we always have to hold it against players like – isn't that what you want? You want to you want a lot of blowouts. You want to win games convincingly. Like when Josh Allen does that, I mean, you can't penalize him for having as good of a team around him as he does. That's not his fault. He's not the one. He's not the GM out there. He's not the one putting the team together. Why do we have to always hold it against players when, like, when they win blowout games or are always winning games convincingly or have a good team around them? That always gets brought up in arguments. Players always get penalized for that type of stuff when they have no control over it. You just you play with what you're given. Yeah, and everyone goes back to the 2021 season where what we were one in six in close games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were one in six in close games, and again, like yeah, I mean the Bills should have 
one more of those close games in the 2021 season. I'm not going to, you know, knock on anyone for saying that we shouldn't have won those close games. But to keep, like, trying to make the point that the Bills can't win close games is, is just absurd. It's a lazy take. It is a, a take that people don't want to do research on. They just see the stat and they go, oh, look at that. The Bills can't win close games. They can only win blowouts. But if you look back till 2017 when Sean McDermott took over this team, he has, like, the seventh best uh, record in winning close games uh, compared to any other head coach and team in the NFL. So Sean McDermott has shown he can win close games, and Josh Allen has shown that he can win close games, mind you be it, two of them being within three weeks of one another, one against the Ravens on a comeback victory and one against the Kansas City Chiefs um, on an absolutely insane effort uh, as a team. Uh, but nonetheless, again, it's just a lazy take by Colin Cowherd. It's just a, a take to get views, and, and it's uh, it was a, a popular take for that week, mind you be that, um, the Bills can't win close games. Like, that that was the popular take. And Colin Cowherd is the type of guy to hop on the popular trend and hop on the popular take and, and say what he wants to have said. Again, the, hold on. You mind if I jump in here for, for a second? Just, I don't know where this narrative came from, but even in 2019, before Josh Allen broke out, he was tied for the NFL lead in both fourth-quarter comebacks and game-winning drives, so... I don't know where everybody got the, they just, yeah. it must be just recency bias. Everybody just looked at 2021 and said, oh, one in six, they can't win close games. But Josh, he's been that guy even before it, they it, turned it, into the MVP caliber player. And you know what's funny about that? Josh Allen winning those close games obviously showed um, something about his game and something about himself being able to rally his team back in those certain crunch time situations. But when you go from 2019 to 2020, and even to 2021 till now, it also just showed you Josh fixed a ton of things within his game to go from not converting third downs and scoring points on certain drives to now he's doing that and he's blowing out teams and he doesn't need to play these close games, right? Because Josh Allen went from the quarterback that needed to win in close games on you know game-winning drives to now he's doing that in the second and third quarter, putting up more points than he ever has been, and he's making this game so separated that he doesn't even need to you know, close the gap on a, on a game-winning drive in 2019 when he was doing that. You know, Terry, I do want to go back to your point. You know, why do we blame players or coaches for something that's out of their control? I mean, you can—one uh, example I love to use is— the Chiefs, I mean, it, it's a perfect example about the offense. Whenever they do something great, you know, trick play, they're doing really well, 400-yard-plus game, you know, all firing on all cylinders, they always congratulate Andy Reid. They're like, Andy Reid is this genius who put this offense together. But whenever the Chiefs' offense does bad, like against the Colts or the Bills, you know, who do they blame? They don't blame Patrick Mahomes. They blame Eric Biennemi, the offensive coordinator. So there, there is that thought. Does the media just like congratulating certain people in, in like a circle? You know, like, oh, you can't say bad things about Tom Brady, even though everybody wants to. Uh, it, but you can say bad things about Aaron Rodgers all you want. Um, you know, it... I think it's just tough. I don't understand it all the time. It's like, well, if it's not working and you just congratulated Andy Reid, why wouldn't you also blame Andy Reid for bad playing calling? Well, he's he's got all this other stuff to do. He's a head coach. Okay, you, st- you 
still didn't answer my question. Why why are you blaming the enemy instead of Andy? And the media has their favorites, all those guys. They're you know, they're supposed to act as like impartial journalists, but they all have their favorites, like how Skip Bayless just dunks on LeBron at every every available opportunity and how Coward is I mean, he used to not be a huge fan of Josh, but now he's just on the bandwagon more or less outside of that. Nick Wright hates Josh. Nick Wright will bash Josh Allen any any second or any split moment that he can get. Well, he said he's not bashing Allen anymore. He did say that after the divisional game last year. Yeah, but then you make it, backhanded comments like, "Oh, congratulations, the Bills won their Super Bowl." Like, yeah, he, he's not. He's not. Well, about I think it. now he's, still... he's just going at the Bills as a team. I I think that's where he's switched up his mindset. You know, but he still is a jerk. <laughs> well, Josh, Allen I'm not is... defending him. I'm just trying to explain his point. Probably, if you're going at the Bills team, you might as well just come out and go at Josh Allen because he is the Bills team. I mean, the guy accounts for is accounted for damn near every touchdown we've scored this year, and all but like 300 offensive yards. So, if you're going at the Bills, you're going at Josh. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I, also, I'd like oh. to point out that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are tied with nine career f- comebacks, and Allen has more game-winning drives than Patrick Mahomes in his career, 13 compared to 10. Now, granted, Mahomes has probably done it on the grander stages, or at least the grander stage, I mean, doing it in the Super Bowl against the 49ers, but d- just to act like that Josh Allen's never won close games in his career or came back in the fourth quarter or orchestrated game-winning drives while Mahomes does it with his eyes closed is just foolish. Now, we're going to take a quick break. Um, that's basically better takes about the Bills on week seven. You know, not nothing much more to expect from us on a, a slow week with no game. But, you know, when we come back from the break, I'm going to let Tanner and Evan get into the NBA season. Why not? It started last night. You know, we got to talk about the Sabres at some point during the show, too, when Joe is in, also with MLB playoffs. Still happening as we speak and we'll also get into you know the around the nfl news and all that other things about the nfl so keep sticking with the blitz on 91.3 fm and we'll be right back don't live in buffalo but want to listen to wbny no problem download the radio fx app and listen to us anytime anywhere Five games last year scored 30 and 30. Oh, the juice Oh, that was beautiful. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY. And, you know, I may not watch a lot of basketball. You know, I may just know the key names of Steph Curry, LeBron James, uh, Jason Tatum, and that's probably about... Trey Young. Yeah, that's probably as far as my knowledge goes. But, you know, I know both Mr. Harrington and Mr. Saunders love basketball. Um, So I'm going to let you two have the floor and talk about the season and what you guys expect from your favorite teams and um, expectations. I expect a championship from the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, well, the season got underway last night. The uh, Two games, the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers and the reigning Eastern Conference champions, the Celtics, came out on top in that one. Uh, the Jay brothers, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, 
combined to score 70, 35 apiece. And the uh, the Celtics won 126 to 117. And then the Lakers and the Warriors met up after that, and not particularly much of a surprise there. But the Warriors, Evan Harrington's own Golden State Warriors, took the W in that one. They were led by Stephen Curry, who else? 33 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, and a block. LeBron had 31, 14 rebounds, and 8 assists. And, uh, yeah, the Lakers... Uh, Lost that one, and finally, my Atlanta Hawks play basketball tonight. Love to see it. They are taking on the Houston Rockets. It's a good young team. You got you got KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, who was just you know a top pick in this last draft, number three overall. So that'll be exciting to see. But uh, do you get a chance to watch the Warriors game last night? Uh, I did with. Um... The Warriors and the Sabres actually playing at like the same time for yep. the most part. I kind of bounced back between it uh, with certain commercial breaks in the intermission with the Sabres. I would go back and forth on the Warriors game. I actually caught the the entire second half of the Warriors game, which at that point the Warriors kind of were separating themselves in the lead category away from the LA Lakers. And at that point in time, the Lakers didn't really ever have a real shot when I was watching. Um, from what I saw at little parts and listening to the halftime show um, on TNT, you know, with the four awesome guys that do it, uh, they were, you know, saying that there were some good things to look at uh, with Russell Westbrook. He looked a little bit better uh, <laughs> to an extent in the first half. Uh, he shot, you know, pretty efficiently, like five of eight or something at the time, had like 11 points, uh, was playing fundamentally sound basketball but in the in the second half Russell Westbrook just completely lost things and airballing threes yeah and just I saw him all, all of those three. things that you would think Russell Westbrook would do uh but then I I thought Charles Barkley actually had a um a funny a funny saying that he was basically just saying yeah LeBron James and Anthony Davis are basically just putting up stats at this point in time because to, to an extent, they, they kind of are because they're just out there throwing up stats while they're down. I mean, again, are, are they playing hard? I'm, I'm sure both LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis are playing hard, but he was basically just elevating that. You know, they're basically just out there putting up numbers, uh, which is true to an extent, I guess, um, against a team like Golden State. Uh, but nonetheless, the Warriors look good. Uh, the Warriors looked really good, matter of fact, showing why they are still the deepest team in the NBA Resigning, resigning guys like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. Now, Jordan Poole did come out and was leading the Warriors in points with 10 for a while, but then he only ended up with 12 for the rest of the game. But he did notch seven assists. And remember, Jordan Poole is our sixth man, and we paid him to do so. So he's going to be phenomenal for the Warriors all night long. Klay Thompson only played 20 minutes last night, which I thought was interesting, but the Warriors did kind of roll out a, a a bigger lineup at points and times and clay ended the night with 18 points uh on very efficient shooting splits and he got hot for a while he had about i i think seven straight points to begin the third quarter uh he had a very very uh good overall game as well um i thought andrew wiggins played like an andrew wiggins game you know he had 20 uh six and four he did well played good defense yeah played good defense he's become one of the better two-way wings in the nba uh, and rightfully so deserving that contract. I don't think without Andrew Wiggins last year, the Warriors win that ring. Uh, Draymond Green, 
put up a dream on green stat line, uh, four, five, and five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Draymond Green, you know, I guess he's the heart and soul of this team. He's going to do what he needs to do to win. Uh, and he had a solid game. And then, gosh, Steph Curry still showing in the year of 2022 in the, in the regular season that he is, he is undoubtedly a top five player in this league, putting up 33, seven, and six. My gosh, I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. I mean, what else do you want to say? He's just a future first ballot Hall of Famer, best shooter of all time, and he's still doing it at a high level. And then, uh, you know, going down the depth, depth charts, uh, Jermichael Green, what a pickup by Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and the Warriors organization. You know, picking this guy up as a free agent, he is a awesome depth rotational piece. I mean, he only played 23 minutes last night. But he came in, had seven rebounds, eight eight points. I mean, that's what you want out of a, out of a depth guy. And then James Wiseman, uh, you know, young player. Or Jermichael Green's, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then James Wiseman, only playing 17 minutes, but he had eight points and seven rebounds. I mean, again, this guy was second overall pick just a few years back. You would like to see him getting into his game a little bit and figuring things out. And then Kaminga... Still, still a young player, but he had he had a really nice play from what I liked. I don't know if you saw it, Tanner, but he you know he's coming back on the play, and I couldn't tell who threw the pass to the corner, but Moody or uh, Jonathan Kaminga just stretched out of nowhere and just kind of stole it, but he ran out of bounds, but so they didn't retain possession. But that was a nice little hustle play. But overall, I thought the Warriors had an excellent game, and they are on pace to probably repeat, if not get back to the finals, just so. because when when you look at the NBA in general. Yeah, there's a lot of good teams like your Atlanta Hawks made a nice little move to get DeJounte Murray and beefing up their chances to fight through the Eastern Conference. But, you know, there's there's a lot of teams still have question marks. Now, like the, the strongest team in the East, I, I'd say, is a healthy Bucks, potentially. <clears throat> but I, I still think Golden State would get by them. And, and you know, going, going for the Lakers, LeBron's still LeBron. He's still one of the top players in the NBA. He put up 31, 8, and 14. He's going to do his thing. He is, what, like two or three 20-point games away from tying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, some of the most 20-point points game, twenty point games in NBA history. He's not far off from breaking Kareem's all-time yeah, points I mean, record either. That's a lot of what this season about for, for LeBron is chasing Kareem. And his 20th year as well. I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, Anthony Davis. I mean, the one thing I noticed about Anthony Davis, he just looks weak going to the rim. He does not look like the same guy with the, the power and the intensity that he once had. He just looks weak out there. He goes down so easily. I don't know what it is. Russell Westbrook actually had a decent game, 19-3-11. Th- uh, and 11. Like, that's not terrible. Again, Russell Westbrook's still going to do Russell Westbrook things, but, you know, he went out there and had a solid game. And then Patrick Beverly doing his best Draymond Green impersonation with a stat line of 3-2-2. Two, and two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh. And then uh, Matt Ryan. <laughs> Matt Ryan out there for the Lakers scoring three points off the bench. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, the Lakers have a lot of things to figure out. I don't think this lineup that they're deploying out there is that good. They don't stretch the floor well. They don't have a lot of knockdown shooters. They have too many guys that are incapable of spacing out to the perimeter, shooting the basketball correctly at a high efficient rate. I mean, LeBron James is like, what, your best three-point shooter? Yeah, probably percentage wise. I mean, in theory, you would. I mean, yeah, it's LeBron. Austin, <laughs> Austin Reeves, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, they shot 10 of 40 from three last night. That tells you all you need to know, pretty much. And LeBron probably knocked down six of them. I mean. No, he was three for 10, was LeBron. Hey, still better than the overall percentage. 
Hey, it's three percent. It's not the worst. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, they um, they need to figure out something. They need to get a guy that can uh, shoot the three ball at a high at a high level. Um, I don't know what what uh, their problem is. Why they're so hell bent on trying to get Russell Westbrook to work with this lineup? Like it's, and I hate to say it because I'm a Westbrook guy. I'm a Westbrook homer. He's like one of my favorite players of all time. The reason that I got into basketball, but it's just it's just not working. He's not a good fit on this team. Like there's been reports that they could have traded Westbrook for to the Pacers for like Buddy Heald or they could have traded their two first round picks in 2027 and 29 to the Utah Jazz for Mike Conley and and Bogdan Bogdanovich and get some shooters, but they just they're just so hell bent on trying to get Westbrook to work with this, but it's it's just not working. Like if you got a LeBron James team, the most important thing is spacing. LeBron is one of the most unstoppable freight trains to the basket that the NBA's ever seen. You get shooters around that guy and just let him drive to the basket and kick out. Like I just I I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean it helps to have, you know, A D down there who was once a dominant big. Maybe he can get back to that, but they just need shooters and they, they don't have it. And that's gonna be the death of them, I think, again this year, is they just they have no shooting. Now, do you want to take our attention towards the 76ers Celtics game? I got you. Yeah, we can do right. that. Yeah. I was uh, with the Celtics. I didn't know what to make of them because obviously, you know, you had the black cloud hanging over them coming into the season, which was Ime Udoka, the head coach, who had an affinity for somebody in the organization, a woman that was not his uh, significant other. So. Yeah, <laughs> that says it all. I'm not going to d- describe what Harrington just did, but it just, no, that says it all. So, you know, he's suspended for the season. I figured there might be some regression maybe that would creep in, but there was no sign of it last night. I mean, like I mentioned, the Jay brothers combined for 70 points. You know, the Sixers got up early in that game, but the Celtics were able to, you know, come back and were able to take care of business. Um, I don't know. I'm still not super bullish on the Celtics but I think they'll you know they'll be a top four seed in the east and will you know probably they won't be too far away from the eastern conference finals I mean you bring in Malcolm Brogdon in the offseason who I think will end up being a better point guard than Marcus Smart because he's not as elite of a defender as Marcus Smart but he's still going to bring you defense I think he's a better playmaker than Marcus Smart he's a better scorer definitely less streaky a little more consistent than Marcus Smart is shooting the ball so that was a big time addition for them and uh, I mean they they look good last night against one of the, uh, another team that figures to be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference, and they took care of business. And you know what's interesting about that? You mentioned the point about Udoka. Uh, obviously, he's not the coach of the Boston Celtics currently, uh, but they have an interim head coach in Joe Missoula, and he entered the locker room for the first time as the Boston Celtics head coach, and he won his first game, obviously, last night against the Philadelphia 76ers. And there's, you know, videos on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and wherever you guys watch your videos, probably find it. But I just thought it was awesome, you know, after he gave his his post-game speech to the guys in the locker room in the Boston Celtics, they all just started, you know, you know, hitting him with water and stuff, the kind of mm-hmm. thing, like the the, the Gatorade cooler. Yeah, the welcome on to him. the league moment. Well, yeah, welcome to the league moment. I thought that was, uh, you know, really refreshing realistically, you know, got water dumped on him, uh, you know, for himself, you know, getting that win, especially with, you know, the circumstances that have been going on with the Boston Celtics organization as of late with Udova. Um, you know, I mean, the Celtics have a lot of expectations this year, you know, going to the 
NBA Finals last year, and they, they were competitive in some games against the Warriors, but you could just see the young age in their in their star players kick in, you know? I mean, you saw in moments where the veterans played well and Al Horford and some other guys, but you can just see the inexperience in guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown certain times in, in the roster. You know, winning these games could, could help them through that, and I think Joe Mazzula is a solid interim head coach thus far, and, you know, he really shared a good message in the post-game interview, in the post-game speech with the locker room, and, I mean, the players rally around him. I mean, from what I hear, they, they love him. Uh, they love him down there, and they love him in the locker room. So hopefully he sticks around, and they win with him as as their head coach. But the one thing I thought with the Celtics that could really impact their game overall was not having Robert Williams. And we know Robert Williams is going to be out for a significant amount of time with an injury, and he is their in net front paint defender. He is their their rim protector. And when you're going up against a team with arguably the best center in basketball in Joel Embiid. You're gonna watch your, you know, your your big time rim protector there, and he and he wasn't there, um, and you kind of saw a little bit that it affected their play, but they didn't elect allow it to affect it that much, and you know, coming out with the victory over the 76ers. But I want to say a few things about the 76ers as well. We know Joel Embiid's gonna put up 25 a night plus. I mean, he he's ridiculous. He's an MVP candidate, and he probably should have won it some other years in some people's eyes. Uh, we know Tyrese Maxey, a great young point guard in this league, scored 21 last night. He's going to be great for years to come for the Sixers. Tobias Harris, I mean, a streaky player, but part of the quote-unquote big four over there. He put up 18 points. The one player that really surprised me last night for the Philadelphia 76ers was James Harden. Now, we saw James Harden last season with the 76ers, and he just looked like he lost a step. He couldn't create the separation at the three-point line like he once did. Yeah, uh, Players and teams just weren't respecting James Harden like the player he once was uh, in his prime. But he came out tonight, and he was shooting the three ball very well. He was creating space at the three-point line with his dribbling abilities, and he put up 35-7-8 and eight in 37 minutes. I mean, he played very well. Now, am I saying Harden's back to this MVP caliber type player? No, I'm not. I'm not. I would be foolish to do so. But I'm saying that if you can get consistent nights like this once in a while out of James Harden, and obviously paired up with Joel Embiid, and then you have your supporting players in Maxie and in Harris and Tucker and etc., this is a dangerous team because you have elite level guard playing Harden, elite level, elite level center play in, in Embiid, and then you got um, All Star caliber play out of Harris and in Maxie. That is set up to be a very uh, dangerous big four, if you would call it, for the 76ers if all these things can align um, in the altitude. So I I think it's um, promising, and 76ers fans should be um, happy and excited for James Harden potentially returning to the player they thought they were once getting in the trade uh, a few months ago. You want to make a sense it's early in the season? Now's the best time to do it. Should we make finals predictions? Sure. All right. Well, I mean, 
uh, I, I don't want to call it my Hawks bias, but I genuinely think there's a chance that Atlanta can make it out of the East. I mean, you got to remember, this is a team that is only two years removed from getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they still have a lot of that same core. You've got Trey Young. You've got DeAndre Hunter. You've got John Collins. You've got Capella. You've got Onyeka Okongwu, who comes off the bench, but he's one of the better defensive bigs in the NBA. So, you know, they still got a lot of that same core. Plus, you go out and you trade for a guy like DeJounte Murray, who covers up, you know, Trey's weakness. Trey is a black hole defensively, as much as I love the guy, and he's an offensive powerhouse. He is a black hole defensively, where DeJounte Murray is like an all-NBA first-team defense type of guard. And, you know, he's a good playmaker. He's going to take, like, Trey did the lion's share, you know, of the playmaking last year for Atlanta. So to bring in a guy that can take some of that off of him and allow him to play a little more off ball, I think that's going to be a... uh, a big boost for Trey, and that's going to bring a whole nother level to his game. So I can genuinely see it. Maybe it's I'm just talking myself into it because I'm a Hawks fan, but I think there's a genuine chance they could uh, make make the NBA Finals. But if I was being more level-headed, I think uh, I would say, I mean, it's hard to root against Boston. I think they got a shot. Philly could, um, Milwaukee, but Maybe even Brooklyn comes out and surprises people. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. It's possible. I mean, Ben Simmons, you know, he didn't have an outstanding preseason, but maybe, you know, as the season goes on, he starts to get more comfortable and get in the swing of things. But, you know, I'm just going to lock it in. I'm going to say Atlanta represents in the East, and then in the West, I mean, it's really hard to pick against Golden State. Obviously, we know they have that championship experience. They're coming off, you know, a ring this past season. You know, they now have four in the uh, in the Splat- Splash Brothers era. I could also see L.A. I think the Clippers have a pretty good shot because, I mean, this is one of the deeper teams in the NBA. You've got the star power with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Norman Powell's the, a really good, you know, two-way guard scoring, defending. Robert Covington. And then bringing in John Wall, who, you know, he, does he have to be the same John Wall? And will he be the same John Wall that he was in Washington? Probably not. But if he can go out and get you like 15 and 7 and, you know, just play solid defense, like he gives you a little more uh, juice offensively and defensively than Reggie Jackson would. Plus, you know, I mentioned the bench. You've got Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Luke Kennard, Nick Batum, just veteran guys like that that just fill out the roster really nicely. I could genuinely see the Clippers, you know, making a run. Granted, everybody stays healthy because obviously, you know, Kawhi, I missed all last season with the partially torn ACL. Paul George has missed chunks of time during his time there with injury. So as long as everybody stays healthy, and John Wall, you know, is coming off an Achilles injury, but as long as everybody stays healthy, I think the Clippers could be really dangerous in the West. Yeah, for my NBA Finals predictions, like, I agree with you to an extent on the uh, the Clippers point. Like, they are definitely one of the top two or three teams in the West that have a chance of representing themselves in the NBA Finals. The only thing that I'm scared is... Can they stay healthy? I mean, like the last two or three years, we've really been, you know, excited and anticipated for the expectations that the LA Clippers can bring to the NBA with how star, with how, um, with how much star power they have up front in guys like you mentioned, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And, you know, they bring in a guy like Paul, uh, John Wall, but he's, he hasn't played in about two years. You know, and then again, you have some nice bench pieces like you mentioned there, and they are one of the deeper teams in the West and the NBA, respectively. But I just I I can't go against Golden State. 
I just can't. The years that they have been healthy with the, wagon. the years that they have been healthy with the players that they have, they've always made a finals run. With or without Kevin Durant. They showed last year they don't need Kevin Durant to make the finals, and they did that and they won it. Uh this is the deepest team in the NBA by far, I, I think in my eyes. They do so well throughout the draft process, the free agency process. If they need to make a trade, they do that very well. They've signed their guys to extensions smartly and at the right time, like just recently with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. They signed two guys who are major contributors to their 2021-2022 championship run, and they brought them back. So that is key. Obviously, you still have Steph Curry, the reigning finals MVP. Klay Thompson is a player that is going to take a, a huge step this year, in my opinion. He only played... 50-ish games last year, counting the regular season that it was about 30 and the 22 in the playoffs. So now you take a look at, okay, we have a more healthy Klay Thompson. We have Steph Curry, who's looking to, you know, get another one. Because, I mean, why wouldn't he? He wa- he wants to cement his legacy. And then Draymond Green. I mean, the donkey, the donkey uh, groin kicker um, is what I'll call him. Uh, Draymond Green. <laughs> One of the most explosive players in the NBA on the defensive side of the ball. One of the best defenders. One of the best trash talkers. One of the best facilitators. One of the best leaders. Just he—he he is the energy, the heart and soul of this Golden State team. And then, like on the bench, like you—you got—you got, you got uh, Moses Moutier. You got, you know, Kaminga. You got Wiseman, Jamichael Green. You have a lot of depth players on this team that really don't see too many minutes. Uh, you know, outside of some of the other guys on this roster. So I think Golden State represents in the West, uh, in the NBA Finals, in the East. In the East, I mean, like we mentioned, Boston, Philadelphia, your Hawks could also be in the mix as well. Brooklyn, even um, they could get back there. I mean, you can't always count out Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I got to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, last year they were so dominant without a healthy Chris Middleton, and I think this year with a healthy Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. In Giannis, that is a big three. Now, it's not a, a, a star-studded big three like, you know, in past years, uh, you know, Harden, Kyrie, Durant, or, uh, you know, Clay, Curry, Durant. It just seems Durant's been a part of a couple of big threes, you know, <laughs> thinking about it, even in yeah. his, his OKC days. Um, but nonetheless, Milwaukee has Giannis. In my opinion, he's by far the best player in the NBA. Giannis uh, is just on a tear. He's looking to get back to the finals, looking to win another ring. So I think it's going to be Golden State and the Milwaukee Bucks in this year's NBA Finals. Breaking news. We both pick our uh, our favorite teams to make the NBA Finals. Wait, <laughs> like, wait. I didn't pick my favorite team. There you go. I, I, I can I can make favorite team predictions. You've told I, me. Dan's I know how I do or- that. Dan's definitely an Orlando Magic fan. No. no. He, he told me one time that if he, like, religiously followed the NBA, he'd probably be a Knicks fan. So you tell me the Knicks are making the finals this yep. year? Mm-hmm. 100%. Why would, then... wait, why would you be a Knicks fan just because it's New York? Or... Yeah, yeah. So, I, you gotta stick with New York, man. You wouldn't be, uh, like, a Raptors fan because they're closer or, like, a Cavs? No, oh, like no. I, I just go New, New York, man. Anything New York. Bills, Sabres, Bandits, Yankees, Knicks, why not? Right? There, there, there can't be reasoning behind so it. I just like New York. Fan. I just like New York. You're a Rangers man. fan. No, I never you're said that. You're an Islanders that. fan. Never said a that. Jets you're fan. a Jets fan. You're a Giants no, fan. No, that New Jersey, correction. The Fox Sports has come out and separated the two. They are in New Jersey. 
You cannot, you cannot say I am a Jets and a Giants fan anytime <laughs> soon. He definitely gives off the vibes of a Jets fan. How? I just feel like he's a closet I, Jets fan. Is it just because I'm loud? Or? I'll admit I'm a closet Jets fan, even though I'm a Buffalo Bills fan at heart. Uh, yeah, so my finals predictions will be uh, the Knicks, like Tanner said, and then the Dallas Maverick. Why All right. not? That's not that's not out of the realm of possibility. One half is probably going to be correct. The other half, I don't have any faith in. I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna completely rule Dallas out because I mean, who thought that last season they were gonna you know just walk, waltz in there and knock off the 64 and 18 one seed in the West, the Phoenix Suns? But they did that, so I'm not gonna count out Luka Doncic for the Dallas Mavericks. He's just one of those guys that you you don't bet against. Like the guy. Is just an absolute superstar, and you know he might not have the top end talent around him. But they didn't need it last year when they knocked off Phoenix. They couldn't get past the Juggernaut Warriors, unfortunately. But uh, Luca's just one of those guys. He's got that dog in him. He's a demon. So I'm not going to rule that one out. But the Knicks, though, if Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett come anywhere close to an NBA Finals, I think I think hell has a better chance of freezing over than the Knicks big three the big quote-unquote big three has reaching the NBA finals but there you go there you have it so for me it's Hawks Warriors Harrington it's Warriors Bucks and Double D Knicks Mavericks all right Tanner I'm gonna honestly say this I only knew one of the people you just mentioned Luka Doncic nope nope RJ Barrett oh (laughs) that is the only one I knew from what you mentioned from the Knicks uh, before we Remember go, the, uh, hmm. Dan, I will, hmm. I would say this, I'll test your, uh, New York Knicks, oh. um, the fandom. No. <laughs> what? Tell me you know about the Kemba Walker days. Uh, he complained that he, he got a lot of money. I remember he had like a big contract, um, you know, and from the Knicks, that's actually something. Um, and I, I don't remember the exact argument. I don't know if it was like a coach or uh, a owner to player type conversation or if he just wanted to go to a team that wins. You know, yeah. that's, that's. What about Lynn Sanity? Nope. <laughs> that's, a, that's a throwback right there. Jeremy Lynn, when he had like a 10 game stretch back nope. when Carmelo Anthony was there, he went nope. God mode and everyone crowned him Lynn Sanity and he hasn't really done anything since. Nope. <laughs> Carmelo basically ran him out of New York. Yeah, no, I, I, Evan, I don't even know why you would ask me that. <laughs> yeah, it's just my fandom on a team that I may absolutely know nothing on. Well, you got Kemba. You at least knew yeah, Kemba. Yeah. So we'll yeah. give you credit. We'll give you points for that. You got to give credit where credit's due. Pity points. There you Let's go. Let's go. Give the man a break. He's sick for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to do before we go to break, I did think of an idea after we come back from break. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But there was actually an article from ESPN that kind of intrigued me with the NFL. Uh, The owner's meeting was this past week, you know, (laughs) talking about Dan Snyder. Should he still be an owner and everything? You know, do they try to kick him out? One thing that came out, though, was that the owners voted 31 to 30 uh, to open negotiations on a new contract with Roger Goodell. But but there were some words exchanged between Jerry Jones and uh, Robert Kraft, two two of our favorite people. Um, he Kraft, uh, Jerry Jones basically told Kraft to not f with him. 
Uh, Kraft replied, excuse me. Jones said, don't mess with me. And, you know, is there is there a little heat between two owners about Roger Goodell? I, I mean, what what is the point? I mean, there's only one logical way to settle this. We need to see Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft get in the ring and just... A boxing <laughs> match? Yes, that's how Owner, we Owner, 80-plus only. It's like early bird special. It's at 9 in the morning. Uh, the only time that they're awake, I, I I would I would probably pay to see that. Could you imagine those two those two those two geezers getting in the ring trying <laughs> to box each other? <laughs> no, but that's um, funny though. I saw that uh, yesterday. I thought that's just a weird a weird tandem to get into it over and over that over Roger Goodell. Like just the whole thing seemed weird. I don't know if Jerry forgot to, if he woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning or forgot to take his medicine or what the case may be, but that was a, that was a weird one. All right. So we're going to go to a quick break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes and Joe Kelly will be joining us for the second hour. And we'll also do my fun idea, talk Sabres, talk baseball, you know, whatever else there may be be out in the sports world so keep listening to 91.3 fm wbny for more blitz don't live in buffalo but want to listen to wbny no problem download the radio fx app and listen to us anytime anywhere Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. And you know, I, I, I came up with this idea while you, Evan, and Tanner were talking some basketball, and you know, Joe just came in the door, and I still didn't tell him anything. But you know, I, I see all these people, NFL, ESPN, WGR, any place that talks football, you know, we've never done a, a, a power ranking. And, and, you know, it's about halfway through the season. It's yep. close enough. So I was like, why, why don't I get set up where we could do a power ranking? So I made some tiers. Oh, yeah, oh. Yeah. You want to hear the tiers? Yes. Yeah, buddy. Top tier. So that means God among men. <laughs> uh, great. So you're, you're decent. Good. Meh. Isn't decent and mad the same thing? Yeah, they're one and the same, Dan. That's a that's a faulty tier already. Yeah. Fine, jeez. Okay, blame the sick guy. <laughs> uh, not the worst. And then are you even trying? So there you go. Those are the tiers. Are you even trying is the worst. And we're just gonna we're not gonna do numbers because that's boring. Why are we going to do what everybody else does? Can Spice I, it up a little bit. Can I tell you my favorite tier I've ever seen anybody do? What is your favorite tier? It was tier? a Barstool employee that did this. Mm-hmm. One tier was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. They'll put like Carson Wentz in the Kirk Cousins tier. Yeah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it was hysterical. I was di- so, They had Denver Broncos in there, too. Are we just um, are we just all agreeing on like three or four teams per tier? or I, I think we all do one, you know, we'll just go in this order. It will go Tanner, Evan, Joe, me. 
we decide on that team and where they're placed. Hold okay. on. Can I come over there real quick just to take a picture of the tiers so I'm not asking like every five sure, seconds? Yeah, oh, what go, tiers are there? Go, go ahead. I'm go ahead. actually sit closer yeah, no. to you, buddy, so I can... You know, it's funny. Joe came in the studio and everybody's like, you broke the quarantine. Oh, my God. You're in my car this morning. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, yeah, the people don't know that, Joe. <laughs> uh, take your picture. Oh, yeah, you might want your camera on to take a picture, Tanner. That that might just be essential. Okay, so here's my one question. Yeah. Everyone, know, we, we know where we're putting the Buffalo Bills, I think. Yeah, we can we can. I think just we just the avoid bills. the yeah. Bills and, and put them, you know. Yeah, top tier, you know, God among men tier. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think there has to be a discussion about that. Would, would, would you fellas agree over in Studio B over there? Oh, the yeah, I'll put the Bills side? in top tier. I think the Bills have deserve to be in top tier for the last few weeks here. If there was a god tier, then the Bills should be there, but since it only ends at top, then yes, that's where the Bills should well, be. Well, top is god among top men. Top is god among men. Okay, all right, then yes, top tier. They're in top tier. So, Tanner, your first team, Arizona Cardinals. Oh. Um, well, I mean, on paper, you'd like to say not the worst, but I gotta say, are you even trying at this point? Because what's going on out there in Arizona? I mean, Kyler Mert, like Cliff Kingsbury is just terrible. Like that guy, he said that he would give up play calling duties if that's what it takes to win. He should have given up play calling duties yesterday. Now, it's going to help that they're getting DeAndre Hopkins back. We'll see what Robbie Anderson brings to the offense. But as of right now, they have been one of the biggest underperformers of the season for me. Evan, your team is the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Atlanta Falcons have actually been pretty decent this year. Um, compared to what their expectations were supposed to be. The Atlanta Falcons are at 3-3, three and three, and again, they were supposed to be bad. They're at 3-3 three and three with a newly signed quarterback in Marcus Mariota. Now, do they have the most explosive running backs? No. Do they have the most explosive wide receivers? No, they're not even using their best offensive weapon in Kyle Pitts. But they're winning football games, and they might have a shot if they keep playing like this at the end of the year. If they're still, you know, around 500, the NFC's pretty weak. They could potentially sneak into the seventh seed, you know, in the NFC playoffs. Where are you going to put them? You know what? I'm going to put them in good. Good. You know, I don't know why, because I think right now the way they're playing, they can compete with some of the better teams in the NFL. And I and I say they don't have any, like many explosive running backs, but they are the number three rushing team in the league. They have a great system of backs by committee, running backs by committee. And they just have, and Marcus Mariota's running as well. They can just run the football with everyone. Now, they don't have a, like, a guy running the football, but they have a few guys that are doing that for them. Joe, your team is the New York Giants. The New York Giants? Yeah. I, I can't switch it up. I didn't want to do alphabetical oh, okay. anymore. All right. All right. I, 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 this is my show. Okay, okay. <laughs> I understand. The Giants. I've been very high on the Giants so far this season. I remember even couple weeks ago before they were going on their you know their raid if you will their raid of terror and ending up five and one I said maybe they will be a fringe playoff team because the NFC is so weak I gotta put them I got I, they look they look good right now I will say that I mean I, I gotta say good for the Giants right now and um, I don't know Dable's got something rolling over there that's really exciting to watch and I mean Daniel Jones is having his best year in my opinion I I, I would say they're good they just took down the Ravens last weekend so Another 
you know, decent team. Not going to say good because that would be categorizing them, and it's not my turn anymore. It's but, not your turn uh, anymore. I think the Giants are good. I'm going to do the Carolina Panthers. And it's basically, are you even trying at this point? Baker's, Baker's hurt. You're, you're bringing Sam Darnold back off IR this week. Uh, you had Walker as your quarterback this week and still lost. I mean, you, you I get it. You fire Matt Rule. That was like your best deci- decision so far this year. But, um, yeah, you're not even trying at one and five. Like, I, I, I expect at least like two, three wins by now with the Panthers, but you're not even close to it. Tanner, you know who you get? Ooh. You, <clears throat> no one. No, um, the Chargers. Oh, the Chargers. Well, I mean, again, they have so much talent. Obviously, you've got Justin Herbert, who maybe is not in that Mahomes-Allen tier, but he's not far from it. Um, you know, they have really good skill positions with Eckler, with Keenan Allen when he's healthy, Mike Williams, that defense, Joey Bosa when he's healthy, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, J.C. Jackson in theory, although after getting benched, that's not a great look against Denver. But uh, I'm going to say good. I still am a Chargers believer. You know, I don't know what what Brandon Staley's doing sometimes, but I still think generally he's a you know decent enough coach, and I just like the skill position, you know, talent that they have, and just some of the names that they have. So I'm still a Chargers believer. I'm going to say good, but they have not been as good as I would thought they would have been this year. So I can't put them in great. We'll say only good. Evan, I I know how much you love this team. I, I'm going to give them to you, the New England Patriots. Ooh, the New England Patriots. All right. They are another team currently sitting at 3-3, three and three, so, man, you are giving me the mediocrity of mediocrity <laughs> right now. Uh, the New England Patriots sitting at 3-3, three and three, like I mentioned. Mac Jones goes down a little bit ago, and you bring in the rookie quarterback in Bailey Zappi out of Northwestern, and he's played solid. He's had two very good games, and there's some you know hesitation around some NFL fans or even some New England Patriots fans saying, should we bench Mac Jones when he's ready to come back and keep Bailey Zappi, the rookie fourth-round pick, in there? I don't know. That's another discussion to have for another day. But the Patriots are at 3-3, three and three, like I mentioned, led by coaches Matt Patricia and Joe Judge uh, in the offensive category when calling plays. I'm going to have to put—man, this one's hard because I think they've been playing some solid football over the past few weeks. I'm going to have to put the New England Patriots in the Met tier. Only because, at the end of the day, they're still the New England Patriots. They're always going to have a good running game with Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson. They just lack that X-factor receiver, in my opinion, uh, at the X position on the outside. I think they have some nice guys. And, you know, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, and Devontae Parker. And uh, Nelson Aguilar, and they have nice tight ends as well. But And they have some nice uh, defensive guys as well. You know, the rookie Jack Jones. But nonetheless, I mean, they're just not on that upper echelon of teams, and they are in the Met category for me. Joe, yeah. you get the Miami Dolphins. Oh, you had to give me the Dolphins. I did. I did. So, honestly, as a Bills fan, I want to put them in, are you even trying? You know, just in general. <laughs> I'm going to put my personal bias aside here. And I'm going to – I mean, you can't discredit them because – what, what's the record again? Three and three. So they're they're five hundred. Tua is coming back this week. Um, the Teddy Bridgewater show has been lackluster, you could say. But can you say it's meh? You read my <laughs> mind, buddy. Oh. I mean, 
Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to put oh. him in not the worst because mm. I'm going off of Teddy Bridgewater right now, not Tua. I will we... give Tua some credit. It probably, when he's back on the team, will be in the ma- fringe good, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how the would, record ends up. Would you put them in like the good category with Tua? That's where I, I would. would put him. That's where I, I would. would put him. Yeah. yeah Tua is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater, and he knows how to utilize his receivers. So, I mean... I would put him in good, but right now with Teddy, they're three and three, and I would say not the worst right now. I'm going to take the Chicago Bears. Why not? I'm going to take Adam Rank's favorite team, uh, the weird fantasy man that he is. Are you even trying? <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. Do I even need to talk about the Bears? It's been a horrible year for them. I, I'm shocked they didn't go 0 and 17. I, I mean, those two wins were basically fraudulent wins against San Francisco. Against I don't even remember the other team they beat at this point because it's so unrememberable. Um, so, are you even trying, Bears? Tanner? Yep. You get... Eh, why not? I'll give you the, the Jets. All right. I was hoping I would get the Jets. I'm, I'm high on the Jets, maybe more so than most people. I'm going to say... I'm going to say they're good, but if we were like differentiating between the goods, I would put them at the very top of good because they they are a really good team. I mean, their offense hasn't been, you know, super productive, but like Zach Wilson, I've said it a million times that, you know, he's not going out there and winning them games, but he's not losing them either. He's playing, you know, very sound football within the structure of the offense. He's not turning the ball over, but their defense is what makes them really great. And their running game. You look at Brees Hall and Michael Carter, uh, but their defense. Quinn and Williams is a budding star. He's been probably the second best interior defensive lineman in the NFL this season outside of Aaron Donald. Sauce Gardner has immediately stepped into the league, and you might even be able to say right now that he's a top 10 corner. He has been fantastic this season. His counterpart on the other side, what a fine DJ Reed was in free agency for the Jets. So they're good, but I'd say they're like right at the top of good. Like They can be great if Zach Wilson you know, takes that leap and continues to improve this season. And throughout his career, like I think he will. Yeah, I love what Robert Sala and Joe Judge, have, you know, or Joe Douglas have done, you know, over the last few years there in New York. You know, Evan, you complain about getting the medium of the teams. You know, three and three, nothing special, nothing bad, nothing good. Fine, I'll I'll I'll, I'll move up the spectrum. You get the Detroit Lions. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the Detroit Lions. I mean, at this point. Right now, the Detroit Lions are 1-4, and and we all know they're in the rebuilding stage, right? You got Dan Campbell. He is a coach that I would say a lot of the media loves. The players do love Dan Campbell. Again, he is an offensive-minded head coach, but they've already allowed 170 points through the first five games, which is the most in Detroit Lions history when, you know, allowing points on the defensive side of the football. Again, they they contend against certain teams. They compete until the very end. Some games, they're putting up 35 and losing. But at the end of the day, they do have some pieces that, you know, could be on a contending team, but they are 1-4. So as of right now, trying to remember all the tears I got here from you, Dan. You got all the interesting ones. <laughs> I'm going to put them in not the worst, only because they have a high firepowered offense that at some times can... Um, throw off another team that they're going up against and they can compete. Um, if they simply weren't scoring 
uh, points on offense and you know allowing the points on defense that they are, then I would put them in, are you even trying? But they are, at least are trying on one side of the football. <laughs> Definitely not on the other side of the football. Right. So I'll give them not the worst. Joe, San Francisco. Oh, I think Trey Lance was an absolute train wreck at the beginning of the season, right? Jimmy G comes in and kind of, you know, they they obliterated the Rams in his first start of the year, right? Am I right on that? His first yeah. quote-unquote starting job start. And I, I would say meh for them, I'm going to be honest with you, because still not too much going on right now for them. You know, the NFC's kind of meh in general, in my opinion. Um, the Eagles will get to, but uh, I would say the San Francisco 49ers are meh. They have a good ground game, but... I mean, and Ayuk and Garoppolo have connected, but I, I wouldn't put that. They're not going. They don't look to be contenders based on Super Bowl. Like you've got the Eagles going well. You know, you might have a couple teams turn it around here, and I, I don't know if they'll be one of them. But I'm gonna put them in meh. They're fringe good though. Like they're like hanging in the middle ground there. I would say. I'm gonna take the Dallas Cowboys here. And, you know, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think anybody here does. Uh, we all know their past. But, you know, they, they love hanging on the past and not not looking at the present, you know. But they can finally look at it and say, wow, we actually have a great team. And, and that's where I'm going to put them. I mean, Cooper Rush had a fantastic stink as their quarterback while Dak was hurt and now Dak comes back that offense is just gonna get better uh their defense is very solid Dan Quinn give him credit he he may not be the best head coach but he's a great defensive coordinator so I I definitely think Dallas goes into that great tier being the first team in that tier uh Tanner why why don't I give you it's like eating me and my hope Mo here. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's watch the content warning on this. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Let's calm down over here. Whoa, whoa. Okay, I'm sick. <laughs> oh, okay. The excuse keeps coming. It's like Casey Middlestad. Injury is only an excuse for so oh, long. Oh, come now. on. Don't don't disrespect Mitts like that. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you get the Colts. <clears throat> the Colts. Oh, man. Boy. I feel like this one changes from week to week because one week, like when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, you want to put them in top tier, but then, you know, there's other weeks, other are-you-even-trying weeks, like the Thursday night game. So I guess with that in mind, let's put them right in the middle. I'll say, I'll say meh. You know, they've had some things go against their favor, like obviously missing Jonathan Taylor, missing Naheem Hines with a concussion. Shaquille Leonard has not played practically at all this season. But uh, all in all, I think I think we'll go meh for the for the Colts. I mean, it hasn't been pretty, but they're still at the top of the division. So can you really complain? I just love hearing meh. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm so I'm glad I made that. Mid. Nah, nah, meh is better because you're like, yeah, they're not that good, but they're not that bad. You know, they're 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 on the they're on That's the mid. like brits. Yeah, uh, fine, fine. I'll give you a good team, Evan. Fine, you're gonna complain to me later. You get the Chiefs. Ooh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm gonna put them on the same tier as the Bills, top tier. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, they have they have been right there with the Buffalo Bills, if not better, uh, over the past little bit. And again, it came down to the wire this past weekend, and the, just the Bills made a better play defensively. I mean. 
the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the NFL, if not a top two team right there with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Chiefs are sitting at 4-2, and two, top of their division right now. They are most likely going to be in the AFC Championship with the Buffalo Bills this year, and I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Uh, again, they still got a 1A quarterback in the NFL, 1B quarterback, some people's eyes in Patrick Mahomes. Still the best guy in the league, and he's still showing why. He's commanding points per game-wise, the best offense in the NFL. The Chiefs just have to you know, find out a little things defensively, and I think they'll be fine. But right now, they're in the top tier with the Buffalo Bills for me. Give me a good one. Since you have wished for a good one, you get the Washington Commanders. Uh, the Washington Commanders, their quarterback has a broken finger. Ron, Ron Rivera is getting mad at the press, yelling. I'd say, meh. There, I mean, there's, there are flashes of good things that happen, right? I mean, but not enough to even consider being good. You know what I mean? And it, I, I, there's no, there's, the name is one thing too. They could have gone anywhere but Commanders or football team. You know what I mean? But I, that, that's past now. That's that's in the past. They should have stayed as football team. They'll always be football team to me. Yeah, the, right, the yeah. football team. Yeah, could have gone with something about George Washington. You know, you even change the name, the Delaware. Delaware something, you know, like where his house was. I don't know. There's so many more clever things that's just making me mad. Move on. George Washington's house was in Virginia, Joe. Joe Biden's from Delaware. Did you say Joe? I thought he was from Scranton, PA. Yeah. We have just gotten so far (laughs) off track here. Yeah. Really? Okay. Fine. Um, I'm going to take the Texans. Why not? They're not the worst. You know, give them credit when credit's due. They got a win against Jaguars, who we all thought was going to beat them. Uh, they got a tie against the Colts, who, you know, ha- we mentioned up and down, up and down. Um, so so it's not the worst case scenario. You know, they're not last, but but they're they're not horrible. You know, that that's like how I like to phrase it. Tanner! All right, what, what team do I have the blessing to cover right now? Uh... Why, why don't I give you the Green Bay Packers? Oh, the Green Bay Packers. Well, I got to watch them up close and personal this past Sunday because I watched the game against the Jets. And, man, I'm going to say, I mean, it's hard for me to put them any lower than meh because I'm, I've been a Rodgers homer for pretty much the entire time. I've been a football fan, big Aaron Rodgers guy. So I'm going to put them in meh because, you know, they still have Aaron Rodgers Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and the Packers defense. Let's not sleep on the Packers defense. They still have a very good defense. In terms of rushing, it's not particularly great. They're at, they're allowing about 135 yards per game, but they have one of the best passing defenses in the NFL. They are allowing a league-best 164 pass yards per game. And you look at that secondary, what Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, they're doing the darn thing this year as far as pass defense goes. So I'll give them, I'll give them math because they kind of have underperformed even you know with their lackluster receiving core but I didn't think it would be this bad Evan there you go you guys scoop back up to the mic the Las Vegas Raiders Ooh, that's an interesting team now you know the Las Vegas Raiders coming into this season had a lot of expectations in the AFC West a lot of people actually had them you know making the playoffs and potentially winning the AFC West with the acquisition of Devontae Adams coming to the Raiders. But they are currently sitting at 1-4. Now, they did play the Kansas City Chiefs uh, two weeks ago really tightly in a close game. Um, But nonetheless, 
they are not winning football games, and they are at one and four. And again, the the AFC West is still a tough division, nonetheless. The Chiefs, one of the top teams in the NFL. The Chargers are one of the top teams in the NFL. And if for some reason the Broncos ever figure it out, they could be a decent team as well. But the one thing I will say about the Raiders is Josh Jacobs, man. What what is what has he done to just turn himself into one of the top running backs this year in the NFL? He is outstanding with 490 rushing yards, you know, entering the Raiders' bye week and also entering the final year of his deal. He has accounted for 91.1% of the yards picked up on the ground by the Raiders this year in 82.6 of the total offensive yards gained by Las Vegas backs. He's had a phenomenal year thus far, and he showed why against the Chiefs just a little bit ago of how good he has been this year. So overall... I'm going to throw it in, throw them in not the worst. Because I actually think they're better than a 1-4 record, but they are 1-4, so they're in not the worst. Joe. Yes, sir. You're going to take the quarterback that should be a running back, Baltimore Ravens. Oh, you left me with another one I, I was hoping for. So the Ravens, on paper, in Lamar Jackson, all-star quarterback, right? You know, fantastic. He's a... Runner, he's a track star, and I personally, I look at it, and they roll over and show their belly in the second half almost every game. They almost lost to the Bengals, too. So, and coming off of a loss to the New York Giants, who haven't been able to put anything together for the last decade, and all I guess they needed was the one and only Brian Dable as the head coach, uh, I would would 100% put them as, hang on. I, mean, I gotta think. I gotta think. I'm, <laughs> I'm narrowing think. it down between two right now, because Lamar Jackson's honestly a saving grace of the team, but the defense folds. Like that's that's really it. So I I would put them in good right now. I mean, they're still a, a good team with a good chance. They're um, they're a great team that's playing like a good team. Exact. That I couldn't have put it better myself. Thank you. Thank you for that, Harrington. I appreciate that. You're not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Meh. Uh, I'm gonna take. The Eagles, because I love the Eagles, and why not? I got to give myself at least a half-hearted good team. And I'm going to put them. I'm not going to put them in top tier. I'm going to put them as great. Uh, There's been arguments that, you know, they haven't faced the toughest schedule in the world because they did come second in their division last season. So, you know, big turnaround from Hurts. The acquisition of A.J. Brown was spectacular for them. Uh, their defense still looks stellar with Jim Schwartz there, um, you know, up up top with all the executives. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think they're at that top tier yet, but they're, they're great. And, and you know what's hilarious? I'm not throwing this out there that I'm saying it's going to happen, but there's a real chance the Eagles could probably finish 17-0 on the season. If you really look at their schedule and go, can they win this game? Can they win this game? Can they win this game? With the way all the teams are... With all with with the way the teams are playing that are on their schedule for the rest of the season, I mean the hardest team they might play against the the Packers, Dallas, the Giants twice. But at that point, do we think the Giants are still going to be fought? Like at the, I like, think five the Giants go sixteen and one on the season. <laughs> that's that's all I have to say. Joe, if the Giants well, go I know sixteen who I'm and giving one, the Giants to. if the Giants go sixteen and one, I'm buying a playoff ticket to their road playoff game. Or wherever or their home playoff game, wherever they're playing. All right. If it's Bill's Giants Super Bowl, are we going? Yeah. Why All not? Right. We're making a question. <laughs> Indeed. No, Running it back. 90s. 
It would be the exact same, too. Lost in the AFC Championship two years ago, lost, oh, and, and then lost Joe, in the divisional no. round, and then Bill's Giants started out. No, we don't want history to repeat <laughs> itself all the time. We don't want history to repeat but itself. But it would be actually time. kind of funny. Yeah, it, it, it would, be, would be funny. I would, dude, I, if Dayball wins the Super Dayball Bowl Dayball versus McDermott, that would be huge. Who's better? Who is? <laughs> Dayball knows everything about our team. That would be a little... And he knows everything going on in Ken Dorsey's yeah, mind. Yeah, but also McDermott knows everything about Dable. Same and with he's only Frazier. got Daniel Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And well, Saquon. Yeah. yeah. You know who we have, though? Devin Singletary. Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Joe, come on. No, it's not the motor. It's Bobby Hart. Reggie motor Gilliam, in. <laughs> That's what I do all the time. Right? Reggie Gilliam. Reggie Gilliam. <laughs> Tanner, you get the Rams. Oh, the Rams. Um... Well, Matthew Stafford's been turning the ball over this season like it's nobody's business, but they just have so much high-end talent. They have one of the best receivers in the NFL in Cooper Cup, the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL in Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, who on paper and in theory is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, but Stephon Diggs would like to have a word there. Overall, I'm going to put them in... I think they have the potential to be in good, maybe even great, but... So far with the on-field product, I got to say meh. All right, Evan. We're, we're coming down to the final couple of teams. I mean, I think we got like nine or ten left. You get the Bengals. Ooh, the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. Sitting at a record of three and three. Obviously, the improved offensive line hasn't immediately produced a better offense overall for the Bengals. But overall, they are three and three. But they had a big win against the New Orleans Saints this past week. And I think that win, their offense showed a lot of promise. Jamar Chase was back into the fold of things. You know, Joe Burrow got him the football. Joe Burrow played a very good game against the New Orleans Saints. And I think the Bengals are back. I'm going to put them in good tier. Just because they did represent the AFC last year in the Super Bowl. They are a good team with great upside. I think they are a good team that can get back into the great tier. Their offense is just too explosive with, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon in the backfield. Hayden Hurst has even been a pretty reliable, solid tight end for them as well. And we all know Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, Joe Brr. He ain't great this year, but he's good with a chance to be great. Put him in good. All right. Joe. Sorry, sorry I was conversing with Dan about maybe getting O.J. Simpson to come on the show. He was. Can you sit next to me? I found his Twitter. <laughs> he found his Twitter. He's had a Twitter for a long time now, Joe. I know. I, I just found it, though. I stumbled, <laughs> stumbled across it, you know. All right, hit me. Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith is cracking off this season. He's looking like he should have been the number one overall pick in his draft class. I mean, he's had a couple mad games, but, I mean, mo- I, I would put him as, as uh, NFC-style standards here. I'm throwing Geno in the Seahawks with Pete Carroll. They fleece the trade with Russell Wilson. Um, I'm tossing him up to great. Yeah, I know your jaw dropped a little bit there, huh? A, a little bit. I, I think, honestly, great. you know what's going to be happening? But, but I think the Broncos them. are going to be reaching out to the, the the Seahawks and being like, who is this you know, un, un, unused talent you have on your bench, Drew Locke? We've never seen him before. I think they're going to be looking for him next season. Imagine they offer Russell Wilson for Geno Smith. <laughs> yeah. 
Just trade him back. Richard Sherman's been going crazy on Russell Wilson, though, recently. It's a little Everybody sidebar. has. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch came out and said the only way to talk to Russell was to... Through his agent? Co- yeah, through his agent. You had to, like... He was like a therapist. Like, you got to schedule meetings through the secretary, and then you get to the... Oh, my God. That's funny. Uh, I'm going to take the Broncos since we're talking about Russell Wilson and all their problems. Nathaniel Hackett just ain't turning out to be the coach that they thought he was going to be. And the system ain't clicking with Russell. Are you even trying, bro? Like, come on. You you barely won games. And when you have won games, it's by like a six-point margin. Uh, and then the games you have lost, you, you basically lost by three points because your offense can't do anything. Um, so, yeah, Denver isn't even trying anymore. So, are they trying? Who knows? Tanner. Mm-hmm. You get Duval. Oh, the Jaguars. Well, they had a really good start to the season, and now things have kind of come come crashing back down to earth for them. So, mm. oh, man. It's between meh and not the worst. I'm going to put them in meh. They're, they're decent, pretty middle of the road. Like, they've shown flashes this season, but, you know, I suppose it's to be expected when you have a team with a first-year head coach and a sophomore quarterback that there's going to be some ebbs and flows, some bumps in the road, and we've seen that, so I'll put them in meh. Evan, the Steelers. Ooh, man, the Steelers are an interesting team. I mean, they beat the Buccaneers this past week in Week 6, but they are 2-4. and four. They did that without key players in their lineup, like T.J. Watt, like Minka Fitzpatrick, some cornerbacks like Levi Wallace, etc., and some others. Kenny Pickett did go down with an injury. Mitch Trubisky came in and played well. He did his job well enough to secure the victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, they are 2-4. and four. You, you know, know why they, they did that, Evan? What? You know why Trubisky played better? Why? They let him call an audible and let him I roll know. out of the pocket. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Strange world we live in where we allow the quarterback to actually do make what a he's play. best at. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to put them in, are you even trying? I'm not going to put them in, not the worst. I'm going to put them in meh. Because I really feel like they have the chance to compete with some of the middle of the pack teams in the NFL. I don't think they are a middle of the pack team, but I don't think they're like down the spot to be the worst. They're probably like one of the. One of the last teams in May. Um, but I also love Mike Tomlin. I think he's one of the most phenomenal coaches in the NFL. But nonetheless, I have him at May. Joe, you get the New Orleans Saints. Uh, in Andy Dalton, I trust. He got us into the Super or not Super Bowl. Yeah, I the wish. Super Bowl! He got, us yeah. In the, he got us into the playoffs a while ago. I remember watching that game like it was yesterday, running around the block with the shout song playing on my speaker. Um and then just to have Tyrod get knocked out by Marcel Darius in the next in the first round of the playoffs. But I the Saints I I don't think Jameis is the answer for their quarterback position. Is he coming back anytime soon? Supposedly this week. I don't when he was healthy and playing, he it wasn't anything spectacular. Looked just like how he did in Tampa Bay when he would play there. And I, I don't think he's the necessary necessarily the answer for their their quarterback troubles after losing Drew Brees and I would put them as meh 
Meh. Yeah, I mean, meh. Meg, fri meh. fringe good. I don't know. Like, we'll see. Meh. meh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Vikings, and I'm going to actually put them in great because they still have Justin Jefferson. Delvin Cook has looked better in recent, recent weeks. Kirk Cousins, you know, was supposedly the MVP favorite for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> still don't know how that happened. But they're 5-1 nonetheless. They're, they're still firing on all cylinders against whoever they want, no matter how close the game is at the end. Uh, I, I like them in great. Tanner, you get the Browns. Mm, the Browns. Oh, goodness. Well, so far, I would say <clears throat> I'll go with meh for them because – well, I mean, they have one of the best run games in the NFL with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but that's about their only calling card. But I'll, I will say, once the creep comes back, once they get Deshaun in the lineup, then we're talking about a good, potentially a great team. But until that, you know, just looking at what we've seen so far, i got to put them in meh because obviously, you know, they have an elite running game, but that's about the only elite aspect of their team. Evan, you get the Titans. Hmm. The Tennessee Titans. I mean, we all know the Tennessee Titans for getting absolutely blown out by the Buffalo Bills in our Week 2 home opener. But they are 3-2 right now. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has been solid over the past few weeks. And Derrick Henry's been back on track. And overall, I think the Titans have a real shot to win this AFC South. Um, you know, again, they started the year off 0-2, but they have been getting gradually better. Um, every every week, and they are playing to win this division. Um, I think they have a real shot to do so, and I'm going to put them in good. All right. Joe, you get our final team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I think they're in panic mode right now, first off. That's all I'm going to say. They're hitting the red button. Tom Brady's yelling at the O-lineman on the sidelines, screaming at him. He was at a wedding all week or whatever, and then just showed up. He missed the Saturday meeting, and then expected everything to just go smooth. He, he's he's checked out. I feel like a little bit, and his Instagram post today too. Hang on, what am I looking at through there? Don't read it out loud. Whatever you I do. won't read it on air. Oh my <laughs> god. We're not even on that topic yet, Harrington. You're a little early. No, that was nice me. Little... That was courtesy. I sent him that. Oh, geez. <laughs> nice little Sabres meme through the window there. That's but, right. Uh, definitely, I think they're in panic mode. Brady's got to he's got to become that captain, that leader, not just not being there and then just yelling at your O-lineman for having issues. Like, if you're not practicing with them, if you're not there with them, what do you expect? Like, I, I don't understand. It's like That's like Josh or... Um, yeah, it's like Josh yelling at Morse or whatever, and Josh wasn't at practice all week. Like, that's just not cool. Like, I, I don't like that at all. And I think he's got to take some accountability and be like, okay, I need to be here. We need to make things right, and we need to go on from here. I'm, I, I, they're in panic mode. I'd say they're good. They have a good squad. Mike Evans, Godwin, uh, Julio Jones, if he ever touches a field again, I have no idea. I mean, is he coming back anytime soon? I actually don't know. I mean, and their defense is decent. They just need they need to fire on all cylinders. They're not because there's a disconnect somewhere, but good. Good. <laughs> all right, so that was our about halfway um, NFL power rankings. We'll probably do one at the end of the season, you know, just see where 
we stack up what we made now to the end of the season. But fine, fine, we'll move on. We'll move on. I, I, I had my fun. But but now we gotta talk about this team. Arsenal knocks it down. Sabres break it up. Here's Skinner. Thompson right wing takes a pass. Holds it. Backhand perhaps in front scores! Tage Thompson kept that puck glued to his stick as he bobbed and Holy smokes, boy, that was a Oh, that thing was dirty. Yeah, Tanner's <laughs> jumping for joy. I could see him through the glass. He's, he's like it's living it like it's now. It's awesome. But you know what? I'll say about last night's game, that was telling Harrington this off the air, but I think that was the first time where hockey ever superseded basketball for me because I, I, I didn't watch the game, but I was watching Twitter because I don't get MSG. Thanks a lot for the streaming service that I use over in Stack, but... I was watching Twitter and people live tweeting the game more closely than I was watching the NBA games and I had the NHL network on and they showed like five minutes in the third period of the game and then they immediately right on cue switched over to Vegas so I got to watch Jack Eichel and the Golden Knights for a minute but man that was uh what a game that was last night Comrie that dude it's the Vezina, right? That's the trophy the goalies yeah, the, get. The Vezina, yeah. I'd like to uh, retract my statement where I said we should give that to Craig Anderson not nah, Eric Comrie. Dude, that guy, that guy is incredible. I mean, he kind of saved their rear ends again in the first period. He had 14 saves on 15 shots, and uh, the Sabres were able to kill two power plays. Thanks, and man, Ilya Labushkin, how about him? He laid the wood a couple times last night to, to help the Sabres kill a couple of power plays. The second one in particular on Mr. Holloway there. I hope I hope he's all right, but hey, you got to get off the tracks when the train's coming. You know what I'm saying? But uh, And you love to see, like, in the first period after one, you know, it was tied one-to-one. Um, the Sabres, they got out shot 15-6 to in the first period. But then you love to see the rebound right at the top of the second. They outshot the Oilers 10-1 to in the first seven minutes of the second period. And you saw, you know, Tage's absolutely filthy goal. Um, J.J. Paterka had the one on the breakaway. Um, and... The the one thing that's a little concerning is that the Sabers they got outshot a lot in the uh, in the third period. It was seventeen to four with about two minutes left. I don't I'm not uh, quite sure what it ended up being, but you know that's a little concerning because I think they only got off like five shots in the third period against um oh who against Florida and then to only get off you know however many it was last night. It's not particularly great, but. Hey, you can't complain. They won. That's all that matters. And Connor McDavid still lives in a box whenever he plays the Sabres for whatever reason. But, man, great win all in all. And the Sabres are above 500. And Rasmus Dahlin, he's still on pace. 82 goals this season. Tanner, I will say you are a true professional. I turned you off by mistake for a second. Dan doesn't want to see me be great. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't want to hear it, Tanner. I don't. Um... You know, you you gave a pretty good depth analysis about the Sabres being the Edmonton Oilers last night for it too. Um, man, we gotta work on our defense, or, or at least trying to limit more shots. Um, good for Comrie that he stopped uh, forty six of those shots and only went in two. A career high forty six, by the way. Right, because I I especially think if that was either Carter Hyden or Linus Allmark, we would have lost that game. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
I, I'll give credit where credit's due. You know, maybe he was a good signing. Uh, I, I had my doubts because he didn't have... Because you don't like Granado. No, it... Uh, or that Adam. doesn't even ma- you 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 don't get to make a comment that you don't even know what you're talking about, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you Joe didn't even make knows. the right rever- uh, the right way would have been you don't like Adams. I said that right after no, Granado. No, you said Granado first, so you're wrong. I said Adams. You're though. wrong though. But you don't like it because you don't like Adams. You're wrong though. Am I? Probably. Oh no. So it's not fully wrong. I'm about. I'm. I'm. I'm you're mad. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> um. But you know that that defense. I I really liked Labushkin and how he played last night. I mean, getting those big hits. I know that that's kind of what made hockey so enjoyable for me. So just to see those hits again and to see the aggressiveness was just perfect. Um, I I I really wish there was a scrum. I I really thought one was gonna happen, e- either between you know Skinner or Darwin. I, I thought it was so close to a couple of times, and I was just like, come on, just drop the gloves and hit each other already. Um, but, you know, good win. McDavid uh, played a lot in that third period. He play, yeah, he played over 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, he, he was out there for the longest time. I was like, oh, my God, this is just not going to go well. Um, but, you know, they, they held on. Tuck got the empty netter to close the deal away um, <laughs> while shoving off the other guy. I, I, I think <clears throat> Tuck wanted to do his best Josh Allen stiff arm impression uh, because that's pretty much what happened on that empty netter. Um, but, it's safe to say that that number 89, that Alex, he uh, tucked them to sleep and told them a bedtime <laughs> story. He said nighty-night with that empty netter to seal it. God, I'm oh awesome. That was God. a great pun, wasn't it? No, I'm sorry. All right, yeah. I'll stop now. That was fantastic. I don't want anyone Tanner's to tell you differently. That was fantastic. Tanner, you don't get to speak. That's now. how you can tell Tanner's the oldest out of us four when he makes a dad joke. That, that's <laughs> why he's now, he, he cannot talk. He's been banished. No. <laughs> you know, it's funny. He Just in the background. Is, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the Sabres victory, winning 4-2 against the Edmonton Oilers, I thought was huge for this club. Uh, and huge for the players in general. I mean, you went up against an Edmonton Oilers team that really played outstandingly in the playoffs, you know, just a little bit ago, and they had a real chance to make an even deeper run towards the Stanley Cup Finals, but they ran into the Colorado Avalanche, and they couldn't get past them. But starting off, Rasmus Dahlin just has taken his game to another level. I mean, he has really just risen up to all the expectations, and he's you know, taking the challenge of being this number one D-man in the NHL, and he's really improved a lot from last year to this year. And I'm not saying he's going to enter, you know, the Victor Hedman, uh, Cal McCarr, and, you know, some of the other defensemen in the NHL's category, but he's he's knocking on the door in that next tier, uh, per se. And, again, he's on pace for, like, 82 goals or whatever. J.J. Paterka. I really believe that J.J. Paterka needs to get power play one time. I love Casey Middlestat. I think he's a fine addition to the first um, power play unit. I think he is, but I feel like having another scoring threat that can pass the puck very well in J.J. Paterka would be outstanding to have up on that PP1 unit in uh, Casey Middlestat's spot. J.J. Paterka has been outstanding. I I I love the fact that he is on this roster and that he is contributing um, in a variety of ways. He brings a, a different speed element to this forward group that we have not had in a while. 
and you can throw him anywhere on the lineup, and I really think that he can just produce, and that's what he's doing. Tage Thompson, welcome back, man. What a first goal. What a, For your first points of the NHL season, you did you did very well. You got an outstanding goal. It made a nice move, and just his side-to-side skating ability is just phenomenal. And, you know, he made a nice cut and drive towards the net. Good pass by Skinner, and both of those guys got their first points in the seasons. Just remember, Tage Thompson isn't a point-per-game guy. He's going to be around the 60- to 70-point threshold, and what a nice way for him to start on that. Um, overall, I thought Vinny Henestrosa had a fine game. I mean, this is a guy who didn't play the first two games in the NHL season for us, but got thrown up. Uh, Ilya Labushkin. What He's a tone the setter. Miller of the Sabres. Yeah. yeah. What a tone setter. This guy is an absolute tone setter, and he played phenomenal last night. Really shook up shook up guys like Leon Dreisaitl and others. He is day-to-day with a minor injury, but he should be back relatively soon. He probably will at least miss the next game against Calgary on Thursday. But nonetheless, he played an outstanding game as well. I thought this was one of Owen Powers' best games as a Sabre. This might actually have been Owen Powers' best overall complete game as a Sabre. He didn't net any points per se, but I thought he played a nice sound game uh, defensively, and he made some nice stretch passes out of the zone zone uh, to the offense. All right, Eric Comrie. This might end up being the signing of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really might be. Yeah. You have a guy like Craig Anderson who's coming back on a one-year deal who's probably only set up to play 30 or so games. So you need a guy to take those other games and run away with them and play them. It wasn't Ukapakalukinen. Give it to Eric Comrie. He played phenomenal. He's so tight. With, he's so good, you know, keeping his pad on the ice and, you know, keeping his skate up against that post and not allowing the jam in. Uh, and, again, saving 48 of 46 shots, only allowing two goals, and really kept that game from getting a lot worse for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. I, I don't, oh, sorry, oh, Joe. No, no. You, you go ahead, Tanner. I was just going to say, yeah, I would imagine you guys saw it, but if not, I saw a tweet that said that was the first time that two Edmonton-born goalies played each other in Edmonton. Wow, what a stat. But that was cool to see uh, Eric Comrie play in front of the hometown crowd and not only play, but play his rear end off. I mean, he saved their butts numerous probably, times. Yeah, probably they wouldn't have won the game without him. So just what a guy. That I, was a great signing. I'm going to I'm gonna rapid fire, just recap that game. Labushkin, good. Comrie, good. And this isn't Dan's rating good. This is, this is like good, good, like great good. Darlene looks wow. fantastic. You know, Thompson, he's back. He's back. I, I, I was so excited. I was flipping back and forth commercial break because I was rewatching the Bills-Chiefs game just, you know, to bask in the glory a little more. And, uh, you know, the Sabres game entertained me more than a Sabres game has in a while. Eric Comrie, just I, a round of applause. Him and Craig Anderson are great so far this season. I'm glad that... UPL's getting playtime down in Rochester, so he's not just rotting on the, the, you know what I mean? Like, keeping him warm for when eventually we switch him out for Craig at some point later in the season. It's If if that does happen. But if they're playing, if the goalies are playing like this, we've been missing elite goaltending for the past few years, and we, I, I can't even get over it. Like, it, it's, it's great. Comrie, like Evan said, might be one of the greatest signings in a long time. Now, I let the other two, while you weren't here, Joe, go on a long rant about the NBA season. You know what we haven't gotten to rant about a long time, Joe? What? The 2-0. 
Swung on and hit in the air to right center and deep. That ball is gone. Oh, my. It is a Stantonian home run. A three-run blast into the right center field seats. Giancarlo. Non si può scopalo. Now the Yankees in this ultimate game take a very quick 3-0 lead. I mean, we got to talk about the Yankees at least at some point, Joe. I oh, mean, yeah. They they won their game five against the Guardians. They and, did, and they played tonight. Yeah, right, and they back played, to back. played tonight against the Astros. Uh, on the other side in the NLs, uh, what is it? DS? NLDS. NLDS. Yes, yeah. that is correct. Um, it's the Phillies versus the Padres. Very, very odd matchup yeah. there, which I don't think anybody expected. Um, you know, you had the Mets, you had the Dodgers, Braves, Cardinals even, and you come out with the Phillies and, <laughs> and the Padres. What happened? What, what went wrong? Um, I mean, I, I they're on a hot streak. Judge and Stanton had great hits. Garrett Cole been great throughout that series. I mean, I don't think you can um I don't think you can argue with anything. The Yankees they're they're the team. They're them. They are them. And I think I think they they for the AL they go all the way. Oh, come on. You're not even going to talk about the mes- the mustache god Nestor Cortez? Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Come yeah. on. He closed it away. He last did. Night. No, it was I was watching it. I watched it end and I was like one guy got on base. Another guy got on base. I was like, oh, no. I'm like, this, this is <laughs> going to happen. And then he iced the game right there, and I, I jumped for joy in my in my couch a little bit there. Popped. You know what I mean? The little right, pop. Yeah, you did the little, like, oh, yeah. And yep, then went yep, back down the like I'm too comfy. Down. Exactly. But it was very exciting to watch. And, you know, the Yankees, how long ago? 13 years now? Uh, Let's see, 2009. So that would be. 13. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Math right yeah, on the dot. Good. Yeah. 13 years, and this is the year they go. So, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what's your prediction against the uh, Astros? You know, how many games? Uh, what's How many are in this series? Uh, seven. Seven? Uh, we take four right away. Wow. We win the first four. It's going to six. Astros are winning. Yeah, we, Whoa, we, we hey. never even talked about yeah. you Blue cursing Jay, the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays fan over Joe. there. Yeah. Or not Joe. Evan, wrong person. Whatever your name is with your beanie hat on. I don't know. what it, It's just a hat. I don't know. I'm sick. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited for the Yankees today. I mean, how could I not be? They, they looked better over time, and now we get to see if they get revenge for – the cheating scandal year, uh, and, and no Chapman. Thank God, no Chapman. No, no overall. No Chapman. Chapman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know Chapman, he's the one who threw the pitch to Jose Altuve to get the famous picture of him smiling as the season's over. And the rock and the baby thing too. Oh, the rock the baby thing was so annoying. I love by how Josh the, Naylor. I love how uh, the mustache god did it. At the end of the game, he did that walking off the field. Yeah, it was like Glaber <laughs> Torres too. Yeah. yeah, it was like all of them just started doing. Yeah, it. because what a taunt! Like, and then just to lose, like, what a baseless taunt! I, I can't. I was so excited to see that. All right, that's 
going to do it for the Blitz this week. Or not this week, this Wednesday. <laughs> we still have a show Friday. You know, I forgot about it for a you second. You guys picked I'm Thursday sick. Night Football already? No, no we, we didn't. Go. We we had too much to cover, Joe. Do you want to just throw throw the winner out there real fast? Um, Let's see. Cardinals. Saints. Hmm. Quick. Cardinals. Saints. Okay. Uh, Tanner, shout out your social. At TJ Saunders 2000 on Twitter. Instagram, Tanner underscore Saunders 2000. Evan, go. Uh, on Twitter, at Evan H716. And on Instagram, Evan Harrington underscore 63. Joe, go. On, on Twitter, at the Buffalonian. And on Instagram, at Joe Callie. And you can find me on Twitter at double underscore D, capital WBNY. Tanner, if you want to do the thing that you've wanted to do for like the past five episodes, now's your chance. What? Oh, what? Go Bills. Go Bills. There you go. He, he, he's he been complaining that he hasn't been able to do that for like the past couple episodes. So there it is. Uh, that's going to do it for us on the Blitz. You've been listening to Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY, Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. See you Friday.